Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. I said, Brandy, what does Psalm 95 say? That's what I love about fasting. The Lord does this to me. When I get rid of the distractions of this world, it's, it, I'm telling you, I just feel like I hear God's voice so much clearer, but I got out of the shower. I said, what's Psalm 95 say? And uh, she goes, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, let's look it up. So uh, the translation I went to is the Passion Translation. It says this. It's the first Bible I found. It says, come on, everyone. If you're in the room, you're a part of everyone. It says, let's, plural, sing for joy to the Lord. So I'm, I, that's going to be a test here in a moment. We may sing that song one more time, and let's do it together, all right? But it says, let's shout our loudest praises to our God who saved us. And I love you, second service. Go to verse 2. Go to verse 2. It says, everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts of joy. Verse 3. For the Lord is the greatest of all king. King God over all other gods. In one hand, he holds the mysteries of the earth. And in the other hand, he holds the highest mountain peaks. Verse 5. He's the owner of every ocean. The engineer and sculptor of earth itself, in verse 6, it says, Come and kneel before this creator God. Come and let us bow before the mighty God, our majestic maker. So it says, come on, everyone. Let us sing. You love me. Come on. You love me when I'm up. You love me I want to hear you sing. You love, it surrounds me. I can't get away. You love me when I'm lost. You love me till I'm found. You love, it surrounds me. I can't get away. God, we dedicate this time to you. We acknowledge you in the room. God, I feel your presence. I pray, Lord, that it's your anointing that breaks yokes and bondages, sin and death. And God, right now, I pray, Lord, that you would do in our hearts and in our lives what only you can do. God, I know that there is people in the room that are relying on a miracle. God, if you don't show up, there's no way I can go on. God, if you don't move... I can't take it another minute. God, if you don't move, there's no way this can be turned around for good. So, God, I just pray right now. I pray that we lay our personality to the side and we pursue after you. And, Lord, we receive from your word today what you would have in store for us. God, I know this is a corrective word that you put on my heart, but God, I pray that this would not fall on deaf ears, but your word accomplishes what it's meant and it's sent to do right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Before you're seated, look at your neighbor and say, you're lucky you got to sit next to me. Now look at, look at your second choice and say this. You look like you could use a little church, my friend. My friend, you really look like you could use some church. Amen. Well, who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, I'm, I'm happy to announce that it's day seven. And uh, praise the Lord. I want to encourage all of you that tonight, that those of you that participated in the fast, be here. We're going to pray uh, together. It, it won't be like a normal prayer service. I'm believing for breakthrough. 
And the Lord's really put some things on my heart to be here tonight. And I know that the Cowboys will be playing football. There's two things, DVR, but number two is this. The Cowboys have done nothing but bring you heartache in your life. How many of y'all know Jesus has done more than any cowboy could ever do for you? Amen. So if you want to go to heaven, you come tonight. I'm just kidding. Already, some of you are mad at me. I don't care. Hey, we are, we are in the middle of this series right now called uh, Keys to Fighting. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 16, he said, uh, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he goes on to say that there is keys that are in the kingdom of God. How many of y'all thankful for the keys that God gives us in the kingdom of God? And what he says is, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound on heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. So he's saying that there is many gates. Everybody say gates. He says there's many gates that goes into a place of darkness, but he says, I have given you a key. How many of y'all know the Bible tells us in Revelation, we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And so I have given you some keys to not let this power of darkness come over you. But I have given you some things in your hand. See, as I was thinking about this last week, I gave you the analogy. I believe there's everyone, every one of us in this room, we always like a good fight. I told you about a couple of weeks ago, or it's been actually about a year ago, I was in a drive-thru, and up at the drive-thru, I could tell that there was some drama. And I was like, I love some drive-thru drama, especially when I'm the car behind them. You know what I'm saying? I believe that in all of us, if you're at the game, like a hockey game, I'd love to go to an NHL game where a fight breaks out not only on the ice, but in the stands. Now, I wouldn't be the one throwing punches unless someone threw it at me. I would turn the other cheek and probably swing back because I'm in the NHL game. Come on, somebody. That's what you do. When in Rome, be a Roman, all right? You guys are already being judgmental this morning. But we like a good fight, but... You know, as I was thinking about this yesterday, uh, um, the boys, the two young boys, they wrestle. And how many of y'all know wrestling is in the word of God? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers over darkness. And, uh, and, and it's talking about, even in that uh, text there, Paul talks about fighting the good fight of faith. And yesterday, on, uh, I have this app on my phone called Flow Arena, and one of the biggest tournaments ever, Busby's, you, you guys know about this, was this weekend, goes on today, but it's called the Tulsa Nationals. And it's the, it's the toughest young men in the sport. And so I was watching a little bit of Anson's uh, bracket of his age group of, of 12 U, 75 pounds. And I was watching some of those kids, and there's something that you will always hear. Got some wrestling parents up in the front row. One thing that you always hear at a tournament, whether it be from a parent or whether it be from a coach, and yes, yesterday watching this, I heard this over and over uh, over. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Get your head off the mat. Keep your head up. 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 I could hear it on the TV. Keep your head up. Because there's something about it in wrestling. We know this. Wherever the head goes, the body follows. Can I tell you in life, wherever the head goes, the body follows? I'm going to say that again. Wherever the head goes, the body follows. Anson, come on up here. I'm going I'm to use him as an analogy here. Now, take it easy on me, your old man here. And, uh, but one of the things that they talk about, now I'm just going to take a shot on you. You turn around like this. Now, we're not active here. You just stand there like a dummy. You're not a dummy, but you know what I'm saying. When, when they teach him to take a shot, they take him to teach, take a shot like this, and their head is always up. And they may be down like this, but they'll take, this is called the single leg takedown or a double leg takedown. But your head always has to be up like this because there's a reason. What if I come into Anson like this? What's he going to do? He's going to lock me down. Okay, take it easy. Take it easy. We're not in the basement right now. You're ripping my microphone off here. Let me put this back on here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, there we go. He locks me up. Are you enjoying this, son? <laughs> All right. Because if you put your da head down, it puts your guard down. And where your head goes, your body follows. Are you getting that in your spirit? Give Anson a hand. Isn't he a good-looking boy? <laughs> Fix your hair, son. 
But can I tell you, the enemy is doing everything that he can to get your head down. The enemy will do everything that he can. By the time you're in here or leave here, he's going to do everything that he can to get your head down. That's why we've got to keep every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, one of the keys to fighting, what I just quoted there was nothing of my own accord, but it's the word of God. Because I'm telling the enemy's doing everything that he can because he knows, what's the scripture say? Renewing of the, of the mind leads to renewing of the heart. And if you don't begin to renew your mind through the washing of the water of the word, you will put your head down and the body will follow. Another thing in wrestling that they teach us is not only to keep your head up, you've always got to keep your head up. And, one, and, and another thing, there's, there's this thing called the power half, and I've seen it before, whether it's been done to my boys. In fact, uh, last weekend I was watching Caleb wrestle, and there was a kid that they will do everything they can because their opponent knows this. If I can get their head broke down, I can get an arm of weakness. Let's keep our heads up. The next one is this, is a, a, a big no-no to wrestling. You never, you never, you never, ever reach back amen from the wrestling parents because when you reach back all you're doing is given you're not only given an arm for the enemy but what in in retrospect in your body there's times where i've seen boys do this i've seen my boys do this and they go like this what is he doing he is putting his back to the pin or, or his back to the mat I don't know if you know this about wrestling, but if your back goes on the mat, that means you're pinned. That means you're done. Can I tell you this? Quit reaching back. If you're going to make it in 2023, you got to forget about what happened in 2022. Are you hearing me? If you're going to do what God's best has for you in 2023 and you're going to fight the good fight of faith and be everything that God's called you to be and do what God's called you to do, you've got to stop reaching back. In fact, there was a time spiritually in your life, maybe in 1998 or 1999, I can tell you about times at a camp or times at some kind of conference or a time where God really spoke to me. And if I'm not careful, I will try to go back and reinvent that moment. Can I tell you, God wants us to go from faith to faith. God wants us to go from glory to glory. God wants us to go to new heights. God is greater. God has more. There is more for you. And quit reaching back. If you drive always looking at the rear view mirror, you will wreck in life. Can I tell you, even in your walk with Christ, you'll wreck in life. If you keep looking through the rear view mirror, let's look at what God has in store for us. And what the Word of God does is it keeps you blazing a trail ahead of you. What, the, what prayer does is it keeps you out in front of you. What fasting does is keeps you out in front of you. Would you agree with me? How many of y'all believe that prayer is the difference between winning and losing in your life? It's not a last resort. It's something that we go to first. It's not a bell that we ring that when everything's messed up, we go to. Let's go to prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much is what the Bible says. You're bringing God into the situation that is bigger than you. How many of y'all know our God is big? Our God is so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do. Are you hearing me this morning? Last week, we talked about fasting. and We, we come out of Matthew chapter 17. It was a boy that... Uh, the disciples come off the mountain there, and they're with Jesus, and there's a demoniac, a boy full of devils. And the disciples can't cast it out. And he says, you faithless and perverse generation. That was the problem. But Jesus goes on to say, only this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. See, prayer builds our faith, does it not? When you pray to a God that you can't see and he does miracles that you can't do, that's prayer working in faith. Are you hearing me? So that's prayer, and he says, you perverse, that means bent. He says, you're too attached to the things of this world, and I pray that this week you fasted some things. I know I did. And I'm telling you, I said something last week that it'll supercharge your faith. Now, I was talking about, you know, when I was praying about buying a Tesla. Um, how many of y'all in this room have a Tesla? Is there any Tesla drivers in here? How many of y'all have an electric car? I promise not to judge you. Maybe a little bit. All right, there, there, there's no electric car people in here. But I, I gave the analogy of this was, if you bring your Tesla home and you park in the garage, you plug it into 110, that's five to six amps, you will get four miles per hour. That means 32 hours in an eight-hour charge. But if you get a destination charger, uh, Uncle Cody called me last week and he shared this with me, that, that, 
that means the destination charger is 50 to 60 amps. And it will jump you up to about 45 miles per hour. So at the end of the night, you could go about 300-something miles. All right? But you can have what's called a supercharger. And what a supercharger does is uh, it is pulling 125 amps. So your electric bill goes through the roof. Just pointing that out there if you're praying about buying one like me, okay? Um, uh, 125 amps. And what it does on this supercharger is it gives you 800 miles in one hour. And I talked about how fasting supercharges your faith. It speeds things up. So thinking about the analogy of this, I said, Cody, why are you telling me that it has amps? That the first one has five to six amps. The second one that gives you a little bit more, it has 50 to 60 amps. And the third one that gives you 800 miles is 125 amps. I said, why are you telling me about the amps? Because he said, because you get what you put into it. I said, oh, can I get a witness from Uncle Cody? You are preaching right now. I said, I'm so glad that you called me and told me that. Because I'm telling you, in your walk with Christ, you will get what you put into it. Talks about a mustard seed. It may be small, but how many of y'all know even a mustard seed can move mountains? So, I've talked about the word, I've talked about prayer, I've talked about fasting, but today I want to talk about worship. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I'm going to blow some of y'all's religious minds, and I'm going to go ahead and offend some of y'all in the room, but I do not care. But I, God has called me not to uh, entertain goats, but minister to the sheep of God. Are you ready for the word today? Right away when I think about worship, there's two thoughts that I have. Is Number one is this, worship makes your God bigger and your enemy smaller. When I worship the Lord, it makes God bigger and my enemy smaller. You know, you may have gotten a letter in the mail that may seem bigger than you. You may have got a phone call from somebody that you love that may seem bigger than you. A doctor may have told you some facts at the end of a table where you did not want to hear and it may seem bigger than you. And even though I may preach all the time about death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let the weak say, I'm strong, let the... Uh, let the Yes, talking about the mouth, even though I may talk, I, I, I may preach about those things, people still don't get it that there is still death and life that comes out of your mouth. When you begin to worship the Lord, what you're doing, the Bible says in Psalm 34 and verse 3, it says, magnify the Lord with me, we will exalt his name forever. In 2023, we magnified politicians, come on, we magnified Diseases, you've heard it up here before. I've said it many times before. We magnified doctors, we magnified shots, but we forgot to magnify the healer. Are you hearing me? We forgot to do those types of things. I'm telling you, when you magnify God, it, God gets bigger than whatever situation that you are going through in your life. Are you hearing me? The second thing that I, here's another thought about worship that I just wrote down was worship invites God into the fight. The Bible says in Psalms 22 and verse 3, it says, God inhabits the praises of his people. And so when I worship, I'm saying this, I'm not going to do this on my own accord. God, I need you to fight my battles. How many of y'all want God to fight your battles? So there's two things that I'm going to talk about today real quick. Number one is this, how should I worship? And number two is why should I worship? Number one is how should I worship? Number two, how should I, or, or why should I worship? And so, with these two things, why should I worship, or how should I worship, sorry, how should I worship? Right away, there's many of you, I'll just say this, I believe we worship the Lord in many things that we do. Like at the end of the service, I believe that we're going to worship the Lord in our tithes and our offering, that is a time of worship. I believe I'm worshiping the Lord when I'm parenting. I believe that I'm worshiping the Lord when I'm a spouse to my wife. I believe I'm worshiping the Lord in all these things, but today I want to talk about the act of worshiping God. Okay, are you ready? How should I worship? Well, pastor, I'll just tell you this. I believe I worship in my own way. Blah, blah, blah. All right, let me, let me go ahead and clarify this. I, I just do it on my, on, in my own way, in, my, in the way that I like to do it. Well, can I tell you about the five love languages? Those of you that I forget who writes the book can, can tell me, tell me the five love language. Who wrote it? Who? 
Chapman, Gary Chapman. He wrote this book about the five love languages of a couple. Number one, uh, maybe these aren't in order, but number one is quality time. Uh, physical touch. Uh, this is Brandy's gift getting. I mean gift giving. Gift receiving. Sorry. I told you I wasn't going to be perfect here. Don't roll your eyes at me. Um, what's, what's the other one? Acts of service. Words of affirmation. What's the fifth one? That was the fifth one? Only named four. All right. But you come see me for premarital counseling. I'll go over these things with you because I think it's very important. Whether you've been married for an hour or 10 minutes or 10 hours or 10 days or 50 years, you need to know the love language of your spouse. I got an amen from all the wives in the room. Preach, white boy. Come on. How many of y'all know we need to know the love language of our spouse? We do. And if I'm not meeting the, her needs, let's see, what we do is, is this, is we say, you know what, this is how I receive love, so this is how I'm going to give love, but that's not how it works. So lots of times we go into our relationship with the Lord, and when it comes to worship, we say this, this is how I receive it, and so God, this is, you're just going to have to suck it up, because you're God, this is how you're going to get it too. Which I don't understand, because if it's gift receiving the words of affirmation that you get how many y'all know we need to give words of affirmation to the lord are you hearing me and so i but and, and you know what sometimes you like to make it your own way just like me i like to call it rather than uh what is it quality time and physical touch i like physical time and quality touch come on somebody <laughs> this is my message i'll say whatever i want to all right I just hope somebody on the front row is taking notes. Um, but hear me out. How many of y'all know we can't come into our relationship with the Lord this way? Are you hearing me? Like, well, this is being very religious. Well, I'm going to prove to you that it's really not how we should worship. There is a way that God likes. And he shows us in Scripture. And it has nothing to do with your personality. Let's say that one more time. God don't care that you're an introvert. And all the outspoken people said, amen. All right. God don't care about that. God don't care about, God does not care about your personality. There's a way that God likes worship. And I don't know about you, but I want to worship God's way. I'm going to say that again. I don't know about you, but I want to worship God's way. If you have your Bible open to Psalm 150, 150, it says this. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't believe this is a suggestion. And I don't believe this is just a comment. I believe this is a command from God that every single one of us should praise the Lord. <laughs> it says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his greatness. Praise him with trumpet and sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Come on. I just blew some Baptist mind right now. Y'all know that premarital sex will lead to dancing. That's how bad dancing is. But God wants dancing. Some of y'all are not getting that right now. I'm just saying that's how bad they think dancing is. All right. How many of y'all know if there's anybody we should dance before, it's the Lord? Where am I? Five. Praise him, with the res oh, praise him with the stringed instruments and flute. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Praise him with loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath and everything breath of life praise the Lord. King James says, praise ye the Lord. So if you have breath in your lungs, how many of y'all know we need to praise the Lord? Yeah. Amen? Amen? So on a Sunday morning when all of us are in here and you have H2O working through, not H2O, if you have oxygen, water, if you have oxygen working through your lungs and you have breath inside of them, how many of y'all know we ought to be praising the Lord together? And so how should I worship? Uh, listen, this is when I read Psalm 150, it's not about a personality. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a style. It's not about a model of a church. 
it's, this isn't just how AOL does it or down the street how they do it. It's what God wants, and it's the way that he likes it. Are you hearing me? So let's let all the religious devils put them to the side, and let's think about a relationship that we have one-on-one. And if he likes it this way, this is the way I'm going to give it to him. So how should I worship? Seven Hebrew words. Write these down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Number one is this. This, these are found. These are Hebrew words of worship that are of praise that are found in the Book of Psalms. Number one is Hallel. It's to rave. It's to boast. It's to celebrate. Some of y'all right away you're like, "Did you say rave?" I'm in. How many of y'all know we ought to celebrate what God has done in our lives? You know, I would hate to think of this. I would hate to think that a barrel race gets more gets more gets me more amped up than being in the house of God. I would hate to think that a football game gets me more amped up than anything in the house of God. I I would hate to think that watching a rodeo or watching uh, whatever it is that pulls on your passionate strings, maybe it's NASCAR, which I don't get, but maybe it does. I'm telling you, I would hate to think that I would celebrate someone or something over the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So he says, celebrate. How many of y'all know we ought to come into the house of the Lord and we ought to celebrate the acts of what God has done in our life? Come on, lift your hand if he's healed your body. Lift your hand if he's set you free. Lift your hand if he's redeemed you. Lift your hand, come on, if he's delivered you from a past. Lift your hand if he gave you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. Come on, somebody. You ought to celebrate the goodness of God in the land of the living. All right, now we're working. Psalm 35, 18, this is where Hillel is used. I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will, Hillel, praise you among mighty people. Do I believe God likes private praise? Yes, I do, with all my heart. But I also know this about the Lord. There's something about people coming in unity and shouting together that walls come down. Here's the second thing. It goes along with Hillel, but you need to know this one is Yada. Yada is to acknowledge in public. So this... This means you're going to have to sacrifice your personality. And in the scripture, Psalm 138, verse 1, where Yada is used, he says, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing Yada. I will acknowledge in public you before the pagan gods. Listen, this ain't about your favorite song. This ain't about the person who's singing the song. This ain't about... The, the temperature being right in the room. This is about a God that is good and his mercy endures forever. Like I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I went to the NFR in December at the Thomas and Mac. Can I tell you, it is jam-packed full of people. Like a bunch of bona fide idiots in there. They're drinking, carrying on, having a big time, right? But can I tell you, it is bone-chilling loud. Loud. I'm talking, and it's not a young person thing. It's full of a bunch of gray-haired people. And it is loud. There's not one person that goes to the sound guy and says, hey, can you turn it down during the saddle bronc roping? It's really bothering me. There's people in there because they are passionate about the sport of rodeo. They don't care about what it sounds like. They don't care about what it feels like. They're there because they love something. I'm telling you, we ought to put away our feelings about it's too loud or it's too dark or I don't like this or I don't like that. We ought to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, put away our personal things because he's bigger and he's better than any cat force or any, any football player there ever was. I'm sick of a bunch of crybaby Christians that it has, the temperature has to be just right. Or i got to sit right here in this place. I'm telling you, God has commanded you, no matter the circumstance, to praise the Lord. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm sweating. Speaking of temperature, let's turn it up in here. Number three is this, Barak. I'm not talking about a former president. I'm talking about a Hebrew word. It says, Barak, to bless by kneeling or bowing. You don't, and, and right away, Lord put this in my heart that I was, I was praying about this. When you go through this, don't think that on a Sunday morning you got to go through a checklist. Oh, I got to stand. We're not Catholics. I got to bow. I got to stand. I got to bow. 
I got to go through a checklist. I'm just saying, whatever moves in your heart. Listen, if he's been good to you this week, just lift your hands. If he's been good to you, you ought to lift your voice. You ought to sing to the Lord, for he is good, and that his mercy endures forever. All right? So, so we're going to go through a, a, a checklist. These are just expressions of what pleases the heart of God. Uh, and just like talking about the five languages, this is what pleases him. In Psalm 103 and verse 1, it says, Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that it is deep within me. Bless his holy name. You know, the most humble state that you can come to is kneeling. 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 This is why we all got upset, upset as real Americans and got mad at the NFL when they were all kneeling before the flag because we know this is believers. There's only one thing. There's only one person we kneel before, and it's Jesus Christ. We don't kneel to flags. We kneel to our sovereign Lord. It's an act of worship. Pastor, that feels uncomfortable. This ain't about you. It's about Jesus. And when you make it about him, he'll change you. Here's the fourth one, Zamar. Making music to God with strings. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm kind of a musician. But this, this makes my heart happy. It says, it is a good and delightful thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. That just blew all the Church of Christ people's minds. But you know what that tells me? God loves guitar. Steve Hall, God loves electric guitar. I believe that. Would you, can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Here's the fifth one. Shabak, to address in a loud tone to shout. Can I tell you this? When I ask you to shout, Pastor Brandy knows this about me. It's not because I am a, a lack of words. I always have some words to say. I'm asking you to shout. It's because it's what pleases the heart of God. We do it for football. We do it playing around in our homes. We do it at wrestling matches. And none of those things affect your destiny like Jesus has affected your destiny. Number six is this, is todah. To lift hands in adoration. Can I tell you, this, this right here pleases the heart of God. Well, pastor, I don't have to do anything to worship the Lord. Anything like this to worship the Lord. Bet. Prove it to me, because I'm proving it to you right now. This is what pleases the heart of God. Y'all, we have to we have to get these chairs repaired right up here at the top where men, husbands, have gripped it so hard during a praise and worship set that it's breaking it down. Can I tell you, your heart will be better, and you'll save the church a lot of money if you just lift your hands. <laughs> Tonight during a football game, when my, if Maher, whatever his name is, misses the kick, they'll be doing this, like they did the other night. But when it's good, they'll go like this. Can I tell you, it's a good thing to lift your hands in worship. Man, you're not tough grabbing a hold of that chair. I'm telling you, that, mean, that tells me that you're pursuing after the things of God when you lift your hands in worship. Number seven is this, is tequila. Someone's thinking, did you say tequila? That'll make me praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, it'll make you dance too, won't it? Tequila, it's exuberant singing. You know, there's times in here... Uh, I've, I, those of you that have been coming for quite some time, there's times where I just break out in song. So I love to sing. And I know all kinds of genres. I love the 90s. I love the 80s. I've been, I've been introducing my boys to some good music like Dire Straits and The War. And uh, we're listening to Lowrider the other day going, going to uh, wrestling practice. And I love music. But one of the things that I do, like, I, in the first service they were real good, but this just tells me this. The best part of waking up. Wow, look at you guys. Everybody knows that song. Why? Because they've heard it over and over and over. 
I mean, I could go into, when the sun goes down on my side of town, that my door and the whole world turns. See, when you sing songs like this, all the religious devils leave the building. I believe that with all my heart, all right? I could start singing Pink Floyd, and all of you would be into it because you know Pink Floyd. You know, the reason that I get you to sing is because it tells me that you know how to sing. And the reason that I need to know that you know how to sing is because when we sing, you don't sing. I'm like, maybe they don't know how to do it. Well, I'll just get, you know, I'll get a devil worshiping song. And maybe they'll, wor- they'll sing to that. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all settle down, all right? I'm not I'm saying this. I know that you know how to sing. And why would we sing George Strait over... Praises unto the King of Kings. I don't know about you, but I'd rather sing louder to a God that has changed my destiny. Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His tequila shall continually be in my mouth. I didn't say tequila. I said tequila. His tequila will always be in my mouth. How many of y'all know we ought to live a life of praise and worship? This is all together. Listen to this, Psalm 108 and verse 3, verse 1. It says, O God, my heart is steadfast with confident faith. I will sing, I will sing praises, Zamar, even with my soul. Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise Yada and give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises to Hela, to you among the nations. So how should we praise the Lord? We should praise the Lord God's way. And it's not about what you get out of it. It's about what you give to him. So I've talked about how we should worship the Lord. Like, again, there's some of you stuck on, well, this is just the way that I'm going to do it. Well, that may be the way that you want to do it, but that's not the way that God wants it. So the next question I want to answer today is why you should worship. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is why we should worship. Number one is this, because praise is your purpose. If you're taking notes, write it down, because praise is your purpose. Listen to me. You were created to worship, and you can't help but do it. There is something in your life right now that you are worshiping. Every single person that is in this room under the sound of my voice, I promise you, I can prove it. I could spend time with you for five, ten minutes and know this, that there is something in your life that gets the affection of your heart that you worship. God put something, put worship on the inside of us because he wants our worship. But we give it to other things. We give it to animals. We give it to businesses. We give it to kids. Don't make me even start about that. We worship our kids over than the God who gave them to us. We worship our kids. We worship our spouse. We worship money. We worship homes. We worship cars. We worship work. Listen, I'm guilty of all of these things. I'm just trying to point out the thing of it is this. Is God put a purpose because praise is your purpose. How many of y'all know there is nothing, nothing is worth more than God? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race. Aren't you thankful we're a chosen race? He says, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of y'all know we need to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness? Why do we worship the Lord? Because he brought us out of the miry pit and he set us on the rock to stand. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not now, uh, God's, pe- God's people, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How many of y'all thankful for the mercy of God? Come on, how many of y'all believe we ought to praise him Mercy is not getting what you should have got. And I'm so thankful for his mercy in my life. So number one, because praise is your purpose. Number two, because he is worthy. You know what worthy is? It means worth it. But he has the right amount of value that demands my worship. 
There's something in your life that is demanding worship. And Psalm 145 and verse 3, it says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised in His greatness, so vast and profound as to be unsearchable, incomprehensible to man. Come on, if you don't have any other reason to praise, take an inventory of the goodness of God in your life of yesteryear. And if he was good to you then, how many of y'all know he'll be good to you today? Come on, how many of y'all know he's worth it? Come on, if you don't have anything else to praise him about, praise him that you're alive. Like there's some of you that looking across here, you may have been told 10 years ago that you won't make it till tomorrow, but you're still here today. There may have been some things in your life that, uh, let's think about the things that, that we don't even know about. Have you ever thought of that? Think about the things that you don't even know about, that you were at a red light and somebody was about to run the red light, but God in the midnight hour showed up when he needed to show up. The time that you prayed that morning, he kept his angels charged around about you to keep you in all your ways. Come on, we ought to give him praise for the times where the enemy tried to take us out, but he couldn't because of the blood of Jesus. Right? Like you ought to be thankful. Be thankful for for, uh, uh, this church. If you don't have anything else to be thankful for, you ought to be thankful for an empty tomb. He ain't there no more. Amen? Oh, boy. Luke chapter 19. Here's the third thing. Because what he's done. Come on, if he's done something in your life, raise your hand. If he's done something in your life. The Bible says in Luke 19, 37, he says, As soon as he was approaching Jerusalem near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the entire multitude of the disciples, all those who were or claimed to be his followers, began praising God and joyfully with loud voices for all the miracles and works of power that had been done, had seen, uh, shouting, blessed, celebrated praises, praised, is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory, majesty, splendor in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples for shouting these messianic praises. Jesus replied, I tell you, if these people keep silent, the stones will cry out. You know what my heart's desire for this house, the body of Christ? I don't want, I don't want to be a church where the stones out-worship the people. I believe this was a spontaneous moment. If you read the scripture here, this is a spontaneous moment. And you know what? I want to encourage you to have spontaneous moments. Have moments when you're just driving down the road and you lift your hands and say, God, you've been so good to me. If you've got kids, you ought to thank God for them. If they're away from God, you should still thank God for them. And call them back to the land of the living. If you've got a good marriage... You ought to thank God for that. I'm going to tell you, every good and perfect gift comes from above. I told you this a while back, talking about David. But Paul, Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this, or 2 Corinthians 3. He says, he goes, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gave the increase. I teach my kids this all the time, the principle of when we pray for the food. Did your dad put the hand to the plow? Yes, he did. Did he put seed in the ground? Yes, he did. But God gives seed to the sower. This house, God gave to your family. This car that you're riding down the road in, God gave to to your mom and dad. The gifts that God's given you, God gave them to you. Your gene pool didn't give that to you. God gave them to you. How many of y'all know in everything we say and we do, we ought to praise the Lord? We ought to praise the Lord. Everything we say and everything we do. I believe this is good stuff. I hope you're grabbing a hold of this. And if it's so bad right now, worship Him for the times that you don't even know about. Here's the fourth thing. Because worship changes everything. Don't make it just your Wednesday or your Sunday. It changes you. Many of y'all know the moment. After we had Addison, we wanted more kids. 
uh, we went to some specialists, and they basically told us you'll never have kids again because of a chromosome, uh, Brandy missing some chromosomes in her blood. And so we believe God. He said, you'll never have kids. And said, well, we have one. There's no way. I said, yeah, we have one. She's like three, but we want more. So we got pregnant. We had a, had a miscarriage, got pregnant again, had another miscarriage. And this doctor's telling us, you know, this is just the sign of this, that you're not going to have kids. I remember after the second one, it was a really hard moment in our home. I knew Brandy was hurt. She was upset. I knew that. But I know that I'm, me as the husband is not feeling what she's feeling. I stayed strong. I, I, would, I, I was there for her. I prayed for her. I remember we had good men and women of God that called us and lifted us up in prayer. But how many of y'all know you've been in those moments before? All the prayer and all that stuff. I'm still a basket case. I'm still hurting. It's not like it just magically has gone away. And the last thing that I wanted to do was get mad at God for any of it. Because I know it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But it's God who comes to bring life and life more abundantly. I remember getting my car. Actually, I remember talking to my dad. He prayed for me. He said, son, you know what you have to do? You have to get in the presence I'm a musician. I could have very easily went to the guitar and picked it up and began to play, but I didn't. You know what I did? I just went out in my car and whatever song was ministering to me at the time, I just turned it up loud. Because the enemy was trying to speak loud, I was getting praise and worship louder than the voice of the enemy. So I just began to worship the Lord. And can I tell you? There's been more than one moment like that. Many of y'all know my story. When I was a young man, I had a sister that died in a car accident that we were all in. All of us. Had a mom and dad. I remember coming home, just moments. I remember my mom being up in that room. We lived on Monroe Street. We had a two-bedroom home or or two-story home. And where my sister Amber's room was, I remember coming home. I remember me and my dad being moments of us being on the front porch unlocking the door and we could hear my mother up there screaming in her room but I also remember times where my mom and dad would come together in the living room and they would just sing I sing praises to your name oh Lord praises to your name Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Come on, stand to your feet. I bring glory to your name. Oh, Lord, glory to your name. Lift your hands if you're comfortable. Oh, Lord, honor to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I feel the Lord in this place. So you know what worship does in those moments? It makes him bigger than your situation. And I told you it changes everything. It even changes you. At the moment where you wanted to throw in the towel and give up and say, you know what? It's not worth it. Oh, man. I'm so thankful that my parents, they worshiped the Lord and got in the presence of God. You've heard the story. 
Mother had her tubes tied. No more kids. After they had me, they were like, we're tying those tubes today. But I'm telling you, it was in the presence of God. It changed everything. I have two brothers today. After the moment. Listen to this. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9. Oh man, this is where I'm going to end, right here. It says, but when the people came in through the north gateway to worship the Lord, during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway and those who entered through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway. And there's some of you are like, all right, we came in this door. I guess we got to go out that door today. That's not what it's saying. It's saying what should happen in a time of worship. You came in with some mindset. You came in with some kind of baggage. You came in with something that was holding you down. You may have came in that way, but you're going to leave a different way. Because you're going to serve a God that's bigger than anything you're facing right now. Anything that may seem bigger than you, God's bigger than it. And I want to encourage you. I want Arena of Life to be a place. I don't want it to just, I want it to start in the worship set. This is not a spectator sport. I don't know if y'all know this. Love is a verb. When we love the Lord the way he likes it, I'm telling you, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. It'll change everything. I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord. Praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and great. We choose to lay down our selfish ambition or desire of what people think of us. Regardless of who's looking at us. God, we choose to lay offenses down and pride. We put them at your feet, God. And I pray that in this house, every son, every daughter, every man, under woman, every woman under the sound of my voice. I pray that they would grab a heart of compassion to worship you with everything in them. Lord, I just pray that as they do that and get in your presence, that it changes everything. That it changes them. That they would see how good you are. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we repent as a body of Christ of praising an athlete over you. Of praising an animal over you. Of praising a kid over you. Of praising a car or a house or a job or a business. Lord, we repent. Forgive us. Nothing's changed our destiny like you have, God. So, God, I just pray. And, Lord, I declare that tonight that as we come boldly before you. In adoration and lifting our hands and shouting and kneeling before you tonight. In the time of prayer and worship, God, I just pray, Lord, that you meet us right here where we are. Lord, that you would show up and do what only you can do. Open eyes to see and ears to hear. Men, let me look at the men. Men, let's make a commitment. Listen, there's times I don't want to worship. I'll be honest with you. You know what? Musicians will get this. Being musically gifted, it can be a curse. It can be a curse. I'll tell you why. Because you go into a place and the worship's bad. Somebody's singing off key. I'm like, the devil is in the room. Right? Musicians, you know. If you're a musician, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
You know what? I've had to, I've had to set it. I've had to choose in my heart. This is saying about people. This is about Jesus. Now, shame on that church or organization for letting them up there. <laughs> shame on them. But you know what? I've had, haven't I, honey? There's been times where I've like, all I need some earplugs, and I'm going to get in the presence of God. Listen, you may not have that problem, but your problem is still people. It's still people. Or you look across there, I can't believe, I heard some, I saw something on, on Facebook about so-and-so over there that's lifting his hands. He's a hypocrite. Still, this ain't about them. This is about you. Listen, you want to live in victory? You learn to worship the Lord. You want to live in victory? You learn to worship the Lord. You, you want to live in victory? You learn to worship the Lord. Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, who needed to hear this word today? Come on, we all need to hear this word today. One last thing with every head bowed, with every eye closed. If you're in the room and you say, you know what, pastor, I'm away from God. The problem in our life is sin. The Bible says sin separates us from God. You won't walk in victory unless God is in your life. The problem is sin, but the solution is Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're in the room and you say, you know what, there is sin in my life. Listen, don't leave here without repenting and putting it at the foot of the cross. There has to be a payment for sin. And Jesus made the payment. He said, you accept me, and I'll pay the payment for you. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just. Forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if there's sin in your life, you're separated from God, I'm talking to you. Maybe at one time you served God, but there were some things that have opened up in your life and you're going back living the same old way that you used to be. Listen, don't leave here today without repenting, repenting and giving it to the Lord. So if you're out there and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm away from God. There's sin in my life. I need to pray. I need to confess my sin to the Lord. Who is that today? Just lift your hand. Is there anybody? I saw several people lift their hands. Say this after, my, after me. Say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. But today, I believe I met a Savior that died, was buried, and on the third day, rose again. Come live in my heart, Jesus. I confess my sin to you. And I confess you as my Lord. From this day forward, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Now look at me. If you meant business with God, I want to tell you this. You need to tell somebody. And number two is this. Next week, we're having baptism. That's a, that, that is a sign of worship as well. Get baptized. Some, uh, our, I'm going to baptize one next week. His parents already told me. He said, I need you to hold him under there for about five minutes. <laughs> I'm y'all thankful that he forgives us as far as the east is from the west. Amen. Hey, listen. Let's take the opportunity every time we're together or we're not together. Let's worship the Lord. Let's have a culture in our home. We're in this house. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord, but we also, we worship the Lord. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.